Welcome to the Healthcare Business Secrets Show, where we interview industry leaders and break down exactly how they're dominating their markets so you can learn from the best and can double your revenue, double your impact, and double your time off. In this episode, we're talking with AJ Harbringer. AJ is one of the world's top relationship development experts, founder of The Art of Charm, and co-founder and co-host of The Art of Charm podcast. The Art of Charm, the company he founded, is a leading training facility for top performers who want to overcome social anxiety, develop social capital, and build relationships of the highest quality. Today, his podcast has turned into a top-rated podcast and highly sought-after coaching business. Welcome to the show, AJ. Thank you so much for having me. Dude, I've been excited to bring you on the show. I think there's a lot of things we can talk about that will add a lot of value to our to our listeners. Give us a bit of background on you, what you were doing, because you've got a really interesting story, what you were doing, what you're doing now, uh, and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So growing up, I actually wanted to be a doctor. It's the big narrative of my early adult life, going into pre-med, going into college. And when I finally got my first job in a hospital, I realized it wasn't for me and it wasn't what I wanted to do. I was simply making my family happy. So I tried to pivot and I went into research, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I had a great time working on some cancer research projects that ended up getting published. And really the hands-on experience was just completely eye-opening for me as a different way of using my science background. And as I got into graduate school, working on a PhD, that's when I sort of hit a wall in terms of my social skills and my ability to connect with my lab mates and with my principal investigator. And it led to a lot of imposter syndrome, a lot of self-doubt and some anxiety. Mm. And I ended up starting a podcast uh, around social skills about 15 years ago, trying to learn more and, and build up my own social skills so I could make more friends, so I could have a better dating life and ultimately get along with my lab mates and make an impact. And the podcast took off and I found out that I was not the only one who was struggling mm -hmm. with introversion and there wasn't really a great place to learn social skills. So I started coaching some people on the side, some listeners to the show, and it ultimately became a business, a coaching business where we do just that. We help people build their confidence through social skills and building better relationships. So it's been something that's been a passion of mine for the last 15 years. And I love working with driven introverts who want more, but don't necessarily have the social skills to get there. Yeah, I think it's incredible. I, and, and my listeners may not even know, I uh, had severe generalized anxiety for pretty much most of my life. I was prone to depression. Uh, I didn't have a good view of myself. Uh, I didn't have a lot of self-worth. You know, girls liked me and, and guys liked me and want to be my friend. And, you know, I was good at sports and good at school, but I had no self-worth. And so I wasn't able to project any of that. And so I would turn girls down. I would not go and hang out with guys and go to parties and things because I didn't feel like I had worth, even though everyone else was looking at me and saying, oh, he's a nice person or whatever. It's just like, it just wasn't there. And there was a lot of anxiety. And so it really limited my ability to be successful early on. And it wasn't until I kind of got to a point where I was like, I'm sick of this. I don't want to feel like this. And I know that this is the thing that's stopping me. And it was in a psychology lecture at chiropractic college that I went, hey, I think I've got generalized anxiety. So I ended up connecting with the professor and, and doing some sessions. And she was like, yep, it's pretty bad. But before it was just like, this is my life. I was paranoid and stressed out. And, and, I, and I like what you said, imposter syndrome, right? This is a huge thing that most of us face to some degree. I feel like all of us face it at least a little bit, but especially when you start to push, there's this feeling of don't stick your neck out. Like in New Zealand, we have what we call tall poppy syndrome, right? And it's chronic. Like you just don't raise your hand and say that you're good at anything because you just get cut off. And so it means that it's, you know, seemingly a nice, chill, relaxed place. But in reality, there's this kind of 
underlying like it's also because no one wants to say they're good at anything because there's this skepticism which is what was interesting for me working with a lot of people based in the us is is culturally there's more of being a key performer and being successful and stuff like that which i hadn't been exposed to before but looking at my own journey it's like man if i could have got rid of some of that stuff or changed it or understood it better i could have served my clients better i could have grown more and i'd be in a different place uh why do you think so many of us uh, and interestingly in the health field i feel like there's maybe more i'm not really sure of people with imposter syndrome why do you think that that kind of exists where does it come from well i think the first part of it is you're not actually an imposter imposters don't feel imposter syndrome so if you're driven to achieve if you are someone who wants to be the best at something who doesn't just want to rely on your talent well oftentimes you're going to find yourself having that self-doubt because you're putting yourself out there you're getting outside mm-hmm. of your comfort zone and i know entrepreneurs face it i'm sure health professionals as well as thinking about doing entrepreneurship face it this idea that well everyone else knows more than i do therefore I shouldn't be doing this, right? I feel like I'm a fake or a fraud. And I had that getting into graduate school because I had some help from a, a previous professor. And once I got in there and I saw everyone else was talented and smart, I, I started thinking, well, I don't belong. Mm. So it's not unusual when you are putting yourself out there, you're trying a new venture, you're pushing yourself to find yourself outside of your comfort zone, surrounded by people who look like they know what they're doing. Mm. And, you know, over the last 15 years, we've talked to countless successful people on our podcast, and they all have struggled with this exact same thing. So mm. the key is to realize it's a part of the process and it's a good thing. It's not something that's bad. It's not something to be avoided. It actually tells you that, hey, you're working on something that matters to you, that you're passionate about, mm. that you want to get better in. And that self-doubt is going to be a part of that process. I feel like it's because, of course, if you remain in the status quo and you stay where you are, in your pond, so to speak, you feel comfortable. So to go outside your pond, you're, you're used to this and now you're doing this, you're kind of having to tell yourself and convince yourself. And sometimes it feels like lie to yourself that you can do it. And so it, it creates this gap of like, maybe I need to jump back into my pond. And the reason I, I see it a lot with health professionals is because there's this kind of perpetuated belief that you need to have a lot of experience and a lot of qualifications to do anything meaningful. And so Part of that is is to keep those at the top propped up, this feeling of I've got the qualifications, you know, I am so-and-so, but it keeps everyone else down because you can't then think outside the box. You can't push the boundaries. You can't do anything as a new graduate or someone who doesn't have the entire alphabet after their name. Like, who are you to come up with a method or anything? And so I felt it when I was looking at the way I was doing things and thinking, man, I could do this better. Like the way we're doing, in my case, chiropractic, it's not serving my clients in the way that I want to. I want to do something different. And immediately my voice says, yeah, but there's all these professionals like this and you know, they're going to judge me and blah, blah, blah. And it creates this kind of, like this is real sort of old boys club, right? Like science and medicine don't progress until the scientists die, so to speak, right? They stop giving, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, stop controlling it. And um, I think that it's normal and, and it's healthy. And I like what you said, right? Real imposters don't feel imposter syndrome because they're actually being an imposter. You're feeling it because you're going outside of your comfort zone. And so I've learned to use it. It's on a line, right? Like one way it's like you're feeling the fear of doing the thing and it's fuel, right? You're about to jump off a cliff because you're bungee jumping. feels amazing. Yeah. Then you slip slightly to the other side. It's like, no, I'm not going to do this thing. And you stop and you give up. And, but then you feel horrible. You're out of that immediate pain, but then you feel horrible for longer. Yeah. Catch 22. And that's the other part of the equation, which is the relationships that you have in your life. 
Mm. So when I was really struggling with imposter syndrome, I had a lot of family members saying, don't worry about it. You're great. You're amazing. And telling me all the things that don't actually help you mm. and don't validate your emotions. And for me, imposter syndrome was real. I was feeling it. So for other people mm. to discount it, it made me feel even worse about myself. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to be investing in relationships in your life, friends, partners that build you up, that are there to support mm. you and really validate those emotions and hear you fully. When sometimes your family won't give you that advice because they care so much about you. And yeah. that's certainly what happened in my situation. And, and the other big piece of this is understanding that it is part of the learning process. To get really good at anything, there's going to be the struggle. I know we're in this fun house and mirrors of social media where no one glorifies the struggle, no one posts about their mistakes or their failures. So we constantly go online and we see everyone else is having those accomplishments, having the letters in alphabet behind their name, having the papers published, having mm. the stages. And all of a sudden we feel, well, we're never gonna be enough because look at all these other people. And mm. I think more of us need to talk about the struggle the process that it took for us to get to where we are. Because I know that people that are looking up to us from the outside don't always see that because it's not glorified. Yeah, yeah. How do you reconcile, Or and, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong on this, I feel like there's an element of we want to know that our mentors struggled, but we don't want to know too much because we like to idolize them as a way of pushing towards where they are. And I feel like sometimes it's like that, that age old, you know, you don't, meet your mentors or what is it, whatever it says, don't meet you uh, because you, you start to realize they're human and, and it loses that, that edge. How do you balance that when, when it comes to leading people, being not too perfect, but still being in a position where they're looking up to you to see this is where I want to go? Because I find that with, with my staff, my contractors, and even my clients of there's obviously the persona and it's, it needs to be authentic versus, hey, I'm, I'm struggling and then them losing that I don't know what word to use, but you know what I mean, right? You're looking at someone and you're, and you're wanting to head in that direction because you see how well they're doing things and you almost don't want them to be human, but you want them to be human. Can you speak a bit to that? Well, I think, uh, again, a, a big part of it from mentorship is not making the same mistakes that they've made, right? Mm -hmm. So relying on their experience and understanding that your mentor will have made a series of mistakes and you are going to make mistakes as well because business is all about innovating. And if you stay the same, you're not going to be in business for very long. So in seeking mentors, yeah, you want to know that they went through the struggle, but you also want to know what are those mistakes to avoid to get mm. the most out of that relationship and to make sure that we're taking their experience and running with it. On the flip side, when it comes to managing a team, you know, my viewpoint is we're all motivated when we're passionate about something and we have an opportunity to learn and really stretch ourselves and gain new skills. So I feel a lot of people, when they go into management, they just hand out tasks or to-dos and they don't really mm. think about, you know, what's driving the person to do these tasks and, and what is their motivation? Do they really want to learn social media? Are they really interested in video? Are they creative? Instead of just saying, hey, edit this video for me or post this thing, I try to create an environment of learning and cultivate education and growth inside the company. And of course, that means I also have to be growing and learning and I have to mm. be sharing with the team what I'm working on myself and the areas that I'm pursuing growth in. And, you know, I, when I think of the top executives. I think of Mark Zuckerberg as one who, who does that, who has a big goal for himself personally. He talks about it internally in the company and everyone sees, hey, he has more to his personality than just get these tasks done, get this code pushed, get this new version live. And I think that's a really important part of being a leader that they have that human side and they can tap into more of your personality than just the boss. Yeah. When you are a bit more introverted you're less of someone who gains energy from from others and kind of 
sort of projecting your your personality out there. How can you still create impact and and lead others when you have less of that energy? Because sometimes people feel like they need to become this person when they do stuff on social media or in videos, or they just avoid it entirely because they think that, well, I'm I'm not going to be good there because I'm not like this person with all their energy. How can someone who is a bit more introverted use that as an advantage and or still just connect with their audience in, in a similar way that that people who are a bit more extroverted can. Because I know that that's a lot of my audience fit into that boat. Yeah. Well, what I can relate to as an introvert myself is someone who is a better listener, who's more focused on what the other person is adding, their values, their concerns, their frustrations. So as an introvert, when it comes to being a leader and being someone who has to be out there and be the face, it's listening to your audience, it's listening to your customers, it's listening to your staff and really hearing them on a deeper level and then imparting those little bits of wisdom. It's not going out there and pretending to be Gary Vee or pretending to be someone else mm -hmm. who's very out there and energetic. The energy is not as important, it's really the connection. And we connect mm -hmm. through listening and understanding people, not just by talking about ourselves. So even in a networking situation, being someone who asks good open-ended questions and then listens to what the other person is sharing and then adds what you know or what's related to the information that's being shared is a great way for an introvert to join the conversation to foster connection without having to go out there and, and be the one who starts everything, who shouts from the rooftops. Yeah, it's interesting because most of us, you know, we, we see the big extroverted figures and we put them on the pedestal and we think that's how I need to be. And we forget the value of being an individual. And I say this to my clients. I'm like, people are not going to like you just because of your face or your voice or what you're saying or what you're not saying. So trying to be something is going to be hard work because then it requires effort to maintain it. Whereas if you're just being you and you're being authentic and you're sharing genuine value, you're listening to your audience, people are going to become both repelled and attracted to that. So for me, it's like the more I can be of me, the more polarizing it becomes, the less vanilla I am, the more it's obvious, stay away if this doesn't resonate and come towards me if it does. You know what I mean? And people kind right. of forget that they think I have to be like this, this other person. It's a common fallacy that you have to be everything for everyone. It's yeah. important to be yourself and along with that to share your story and your journey, even if as an introvert, your journey maybe isn't as outlandish or out there or energetic as others, that struggle, that path that you've chose to take is worth sharing. And that's what's going to resonate. People are going to connect on the story that you share, not necessarily the fact that you were the loudest one or the most boisterous. I feel like that's a great way of combating imposter syndrome as well. And, and I've kind of used that myself as if I'm just doing my thing and I'm not looking at what everyone else is doing, I compare myself less and therefore I worry less that I'm being that when I'm not, and I can just instead just be me and focus on who I'm helping. And the example I give, you know, in a, in a health business is it doesn't matter whether you whack someone with a fish, right? As long as you're producing them the outcomes that they want and they're happy with it, they'll, they'll give you the money and they'll go, look, this dude's got this fish technique, but I don't care. My headaches are gone. <laughs> right, it and works. It works, right? And it's like, if we just be more us and leverage the strengths and talents that we have and stop looking to others to compare, there's nothing to compare, so there's nothing to be an imposter for because you're looking in your own channel. I know that when I'm when I'm not looking in my own channel, I can feel it first. I don't see it. I don't know I'm doing it until I start feeling shit. And I'm like, man, I'm, I feel good and this is hard and you know I'm losing energy. And, and then I'm like, that's because I'm looking at the wrong stuff. That's because I'm not just doing my thing. I'm comparing. Why is my business not like this? Why am I not like that? Oh my God, I'm 
you know, faking it for these people. Is this really of value? Because I'm looking outside, right. you know? Yeah. Uh, it leads me to my next question around networking and, and building your inner circle. Who you have around you is so important. And some of us have the, you know, have the luxury of network quite easily. And some of us find it difficult. I didn't necessarily have family directly that, that gave me that support. And so I had to try and look elsewhere. What's your advice around building relationships with key influential people in your life that can help you to lift yourself up? Because it's the, the age old cliche of you are the average of the five people around you. And it's, it's, I think it's ridiculously true. I have a personal trainer because I want to be around people who are fit and take health seriously because I don't. <laughs> and so if I'm around my right. friends, we just won't work out. So I find people to be around. If it's business, I find those people. If it's something else, I find those people. So I'm a bit more extroverted, but for people who struggle with this or even me, to be honest, I just want to you know, get a better circle. What's your advice around networking and building relationships with people? Well, I think the first thing is identifying your social capital. And we define social capital as the people you know already in your network, friends, family, extended, emotional support. So being a good listener and being supportive of others, not necessarily taking support from others or seeking others support, but being there for others, both the highs and the lows, the positives and the negatives and emotions, and then your expertise. Those three things are your social capital. And it doesn't matter where you are on the planet, how successful you are. We all have some co social capital to start with. And then it's looking for opportunities to share that social capital with others and being generous as a daily practice. So that means making an introduction to someone who's looking for a web designer or maybe looking for some new clients who you know could use their services. It's always looking to make that connections is one way that we could foster and grow our social capital. Another could be sharing expertise or knowledge. So if you saw a, a fantastic article on marketing and lead gen, sharing it with other people in your circle that could benefit from that is a way to cultivate social capital. And then just looking around at the people in your circle and, and what their emotional state is and validating those emotions. If they've posted something on social media, it matters a lot to them. So reaching out to them and applauding them for their accomplishments or checking in on them if, if they seem down, those are all simple ways on the daily that we could provide that emotional support and again, grow our social capital. And if you cultivate and grow your social capital like that, you're gonna to start to attract the right people into your life. So much like you were saying earlier, right? When you become you, you repel certain people and you attract certain people. Well, people who give value, who are generous, are gonna be attracted to someone who cultivates their social capital like that, who's generous themselves. And you're gonna start noticing when people are taking and when people aren't willing to be as generous. And you're gonna start repelling some of those people as well because they're not gonna to wanna to be in your life. And when it comes to surrounding yourself with positive people, growth-minded people, well, we have to start from the inside out, which means we have to be more positive. We have to start carrying positivity with us and we have to take care of ourselves and people will recognize that. And then we're adding that into our conversations and our relationships. And all of a sudden you're gonna find that people start introducing you. They start inviting you to events. They start making mm -hmm. recommendations to you because you've been generous. Problem is many people go about it the other way. They look at, well, what can you do for me? How can I get something out of this person? Not what can I offer this person? And when you flip it and you look at what you can offer and you focus on small favors, it's not, you know, waste an entire day building a website for someone if you don't know how to code, but what's something you could do within five minutes that could help someone else? You do that mm -hmm. on a daily basis and you're going to find that you've grown your social capital even as an introvert 
without having to run around shaking a lot of hands, pretending you're someone you're not. Over time, you start to cultivate and recognize who are the other people in my life that are growth-minded, that are positive, that are generous, and you welcome them into that inner circle. And that inner circle of your five closest friends have a deep impact on your psychology, on your motivation, on your confidence. And those are the friends who, who are gonna give you that solid advice, are gonna pick you up when you're feeling that imposter syndrome and are gonna give you the willpower boost that you need to push through any of those frustrations or obstacles you may be feeling. So it starts inside out. And as you start becoming more generous and positive, you're gonna start recognizing that in other people and doubling down on those relationships. And again, you know, in all of the interviews that we've done with all of these successful people, the commonalities are the same. They surround themselves with positive people. Yeah. They don't surround themselves with negative people. They don't surround themselves with people who are fixed mindset and not growth mindset. And all of a sudden, you're adding that to the world and it comes back at you and it empowers you. What I'm hearing is listen and care, right? Yeah actually listen because you care and do it authentically, not listening and caring to try and get something. Just actually genuinely caring about people is, is the over underlying principle. And it makes sense, right? If you're giving without asking, if you're giving without the intent to gain, you're building this positive energy sort of buffer around you as you start to surround yourself with people, which naturally starts to repel the other stuff. Because we, we often let voices into our head influence into our head, which shapes how we view the world and therefore what we see in the world and then how we feel about it. And it's not inherently us. It's just because of the, the constant dripping of negativity. We're on social media too much, looking at the wrong things and not controlling that dialogue in our head because of the people around us. But to break that cycle, we have to change the dynamic. And you're changing the dynamic by focusing on things that you want to create for yourself and want to create in others first because nobody wants to be around people who, who are constantly asking for stuff. You know what I mean? We want to be around givers. Yeah. And then when you're around givers, you're attracting more givers and they give and it, and it grows, but you shouldn't be doing it to think, okay, I'm going to do this for six months to get a bunch of people around me who are going to give me some stuff because that's not authentic and that's not going to work. You know what I mean? Like people at the top of this game, they, they understand, they feel that. Uh, and I think it comes from focusing, you know, people focus too much on the short term. How do I get something out of it? Six months from now, I'll, I'll invest. Right emotional capital for six months and then I've got to get something out of it. And they're not looking at the long term. Gary Vee talks about this as well, right? It's the yeah. relationships. It's 10 and years it from now what can come from it. Yeah, for exactly. sure. Exactly. So five minutes of favors today, five minutes of generosity today on a daily basis is going to compound 10 years from now. You're going to be surrounded by a world of opportunity that seems to be giving to you endlessly because you've created that for yourself. You've mm -hmm. literally trained the people around you how to behave and how to return that to you by being someone who is generous. Now, it's not mm. to say people won't take advantage of you, mm. but we need to understand that when someone takes advantage of us, it's part of the process, and we've now learned to not be so generous with that person in the future, Yeah, right? That's important. And the other thing is being willing to let go of people. Mm. And, and I've had to do that at times in my life. There are some friends in college who thought starting a podcast and a coaching company was a crazy idea and thought I was insane for leaving graduate school to do it. And I realized that if every time something happened in the new burgeoning business that I had, I called them immediately and said, oh man, you're not gonna believe the website crashed today, right? Their response would be, I told you not to leave graduate school, right? Their response mm -hmm. would be exactly the opposite of what I'd be trying to do, 
we don't realize how impactful those conversations are with who we call when we have a struggle or who we call when we're frustrated. And, and what they reflect back to us impacts our motivation, impacts our decision-making, and ultimately the outcomes in our life. Yeah, 100%. You led me right to my next point, which is how can we be okay with letting go of people? Because I feel like it's, it's, it's a rough concept, but people can be cancerous in your life. And it can be subtle, can be a slow burn. Obvious people, if somebody's just not nice, it's obvious and it's easy to let them go. But it's hard sometimes when it's the slow burn and, and you know that it's affecting you or you can feel it you're like, oh no, I'm, I'm seeing Dave later or Dave's calling. You just know it's going to be a certain way. But they're inherently a nice person. Like It's not like they're bad, but they're just not supportive to where you want to get to. What's your advice around on managing that, letting people go from your close circle so that you can open up space for others that that provide more generosity and love and uh, positivity. Well, I find in many situations, it happens because we haven't drawn a boundary, meaning we haven't let that person know what their behavior has done to us and how it's impacted us. So many times, you know, people are not trying to harm us. People are doing the yeah. best with what they have. And they yeah. don't realize that they've hurt our feelings or they've put us in a negative place or they've talked us down or talked us out of a decision. They may not even realize that. So number one, you have to set that boundary first and you have to be clear with them, crystal clear what the behavior is and how it makes you feel. So, you know, for example, if there was someone in your life who every time you had a problem, you called them and, and they were a catastrophizer mm. and they told you the worst possible outcome was gonna happen and then you hung up that phone call and all of a sudden you were worried all night and you didn't get that big task done the next day and all of a sudden all of your productivity is down the drain. Well, you have to take responsibility for that relationship and you have yeah. to phone them and say, hey, you know, I feel that when you are negative about what I'm working on, it keeps me from being motivated on the things that matter to me. Yeah. And give them an opportunity to respond. And sometimes they might apologize genuinely and, and have no idea that they were behaving that way. Now, the important mm. thing is to watch how they react, because once you've given that boundary, you said your behavior makes me feel this way. You've identified their behavior clearly and you've stated your emotion, which they can't argue with because mm. it's your emotion. Now, let's judge their behavior in the future. Do they go back on the next phone call and cut you down and, and talk negatively about you? Or do they actually try to improve their behavior? The people that we need to let go of are the people who don't respect our boundaries. Mm. Once we've taken responsibility for the outcome and once we've had that very frank and honest conversation, and I know it's difficult, but it's an important one because the more time we invest in these people that are toxic to us, the less time we can invest in the relationships that are gonna be building us towards our dreams. Yeah. Now, that conversation of how do you let this person go? You say, hey, I really appreciated having you in my life. You've been a great friend. You've been a great confidant, X, Y, and Z. And, and talk about all the things in the past that you did love about this person. But for where I am in my life right now, I don't like the way that I behave around you. I don't like yeah. the way that I feel around you. I'm not comfortable with the way I carry myself in this relationship. And I don't think now is the best time for us to continue this relationship. And being that clear, it's tough. It's not an easy conversation, but that allows you to have taken responsibility for the relationship and moved forward, not held yeah. on to people and not allow them to sink your dreams, your ambitions. And too many of us right now, if we're going out and creating or we're starting something new or making a massive change or a pivot in our lives, we have to realize that it's gonna be uncomfortable for the people around us because 
it, we're changing our identity on them. And people don't like that uncertainty. Our comfort zone is built on the identities of the people around us. And when we start to change our identity, then yeah, it's going to make people uncomfortable. So there are going to be moments where you feel let down. You're changing who you are. Or you're going after something new and you may not have people in your life who are as excited as you are. But when you take responsibility and say, hey, you know, that behavior makes me feel a certain way and they still keep acting that way. Well, they're now choosing not to be in a relationship with you. Yeah. Right. Because you've given yeah. them that choice and their behavior now has told you clearly what their choice is, which does not value you and your friendship. Yeah. Dude, where were you 15 years ago for me? <laughs> this is great. Um, I, I really, I really struggled uh, with that. And, and I really struggled with people. Uh, I was let down a lot uh, by people and it meant that I focused more on, well, I'm going to be safe and secure if I'm doing my thing and I'm pushing people away rather than, you know, establishing these boundaries, you know, collecting these people around me that, that provide support because understanding now how important network is not just for business or, or anything like that, but also for, for yourself, we all go through stuff and there's always stresses and things come up. And when you have that network, those, those good people around you, it makes life better, but it also helps when things are hard. You know what I mean? And in the business, you know, who you know is important. It makes things easier because, you know, I've realized that you can go fast, uh, as they say, by yourself, but you go far when you've got people. Brother. And at certain points in business, it becomes about your people. I couldn't have a health business that has approaching 10 practitioners and five staff and runs itself. And I'm, I'm only there an hour a week doing meetings, no clinical time working without investing in people. It, does, it doesn't matter what systems you have, you know, how many Zapier things you create to try and automate spreadsheets, like you need people and having the right people in your team and in your life is so important, uh, whether it's your spouse, your friends, et cetera. So, you know, this, this episode has been uh, incredible. I feel like we could talk about this all day. What's something that that's actionable that you think that people can take tactically this week to improve their relationships, whether it's with their team, their spouse, the people around them to allow them to have more success you know, emotionally in their business and in their life? I think the most important thing is to start appreciating those people around you, the people that are already in your life, your team members, your spouse, your significant other, your friends. And the exercise this week is just reach out to them and say what you appreciate about them, the emotional support they provide, the fact that they're always with a sunny disposition when things are down for you, they pick you up, or maybe they make an introduction when you need one appreciating the people that are already in a relationship with you is the fastest way to grow that social capital that we talked about earlier, which mm. in turn leads to more people finding out about you and more relationships in your life. And unfortunately, many of us walk around feeling underappreciated. And as a leader, that's the worst thing that you can do for your team. If your team mm. is feeling underappreciated, they're gonna burn out, they're gonna struggle. And ultimately, you're not gonna get as far as you could have by just being open and honest and appreciating everyone around you for all the gifts that they bring to your life. I love that. And, and I'll add that what I've realized is no matter whether someone is struggling or not performing, or you've got tension towards them, going beyond that yourself and still showing appreciation will actually help someone get out of a hole, but it also helps you be grateful. Like Tony Robbins talks about this. Gratefulness is, is the cure-all and when, you're, when you've got people who are struggling in your team, show appreciation towards them anyway. Because just like you said, when you're establishing those boundaries with people, 
they've got an opportunity now to shift. You know, they've got their own their own crap going on and that appreciation can lift them up. And if it doesn't and they're continuing, then, you know, you're now clear. Otherwise, we let go of the wrong people and we keep the wrong people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Where can our audience connect with you online? Theartofcharm.com. We have a podcast that goes even deeper on social skills, building this emotional intelligence and becoming a better leader. Happy to share it with your audience today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Amazing. I'm definitely going to make sure that's in the show note. I want everyone to check it out. Uh, I think there's so much value in this and we forget. We're always looking at, you know, what can I do with my Facebook ads and what can I do with this and what person can I hire versus just looking at the inherent skills that we all need to be leaders uh, of our clients, leaders of our team and leaders of ourselves, building our network and and building up that positivity because the people that I see having the most success long-term, not just I make money, but I'm happy and I'm fulfilled are the ones who have positive energy. They're generous uh, and they got good people around them. And so I think these skills are essential. Thank you so much for coming on the show. really appreciate you. And um, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like the episode, please hit subscribe and leave us a review. I'd really appreciate it as it helps us get our episodes out to more people just like you who want to know how to increase their revenue, impact more people and build businesses that work for the lifestyle they want. Now, I know your time is valuable and I know that you are here to learn the secrets to success in your health business. So I have something special for you just for checking out the episode. Now, if you're a health professional, coach or trainer in business, and you're serious about growing a profitable, impactful business, then pay attention because as a listener of the show, I want you to win. And so I've created a host of resources available exclusively for listeners of the show. So if you're tired of trying to figure out this game of business, marketing, and sales all on your own, and you're ready to just implement what's already proven to work rather than reinventing the wheel, I want you right now to go and check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. That's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. And there you'll find over $5,000 worth of trainings, resources, and coaching available only for listeners of the show. Again, that's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. There I'll give you resources on everything from how to acquire 10 times more of your ideal clients using social media and paid ads, even referrals, how to increase your client conversion into packages at an 80 to 90% conversion rate like me, how to retain your clients for longer, getting them better results and making them happier, how to increase your prices and charge a premium to work with you and how you can build a six, multi-six, even seven-figure practice just like I did but with a tenth of the time and a tenth of the effort. What I want you to realize is that everything I teach comes from exactly what I did to have success and still have success in my own health business. And I want to share that with you so you can have success too. So go check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider right now and let me help you win big in your health business. Also remember to subscribe for two episodes every week full of the secrets to have success in your health business as well as leave us a review so we know what you thought of the show. And I'll see you on the next episode.